Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have back a repeat guest, Simon Clatworthy from Start Your Earnout Now, to talk all about the area of earnouts, which is a very thorny subject. Ladies and gentlemen, good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real-life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, Simon. Welcome back. Thanks, Joanna. Lovely to be back. Okay, so let's talk about earnouts. It's a thorny, thorny, thorny area. And I say thorny because we have very different ranges of emotions, many different ranges from clients when the subject of earnouts is broached. Because when we're looking at earnouts from the sell side, quite often our clients are concerned about the extent to which they have control over the earnout and the earnout is actually payable at the end of the day. You know, will they see the cash is the issue. And of course, from a buy side, earnouts can be quite attractive by, I guess, sharing the risk of the transition or the performance of the business post completion. So, Simon, what's your perspective on earnouts? Why would we use them? Do you like them or do you not like them? Very good question. And I pause and say, in some circumstances, I think they have a genuine role to play. In others, they don't. And, you know, as a general rule, I would say if I'm on the buy side, I love them. If I'm on the sell side, I oppose them. <laughs> I guess unless you're getting an uplift on your sale price because of the earnout. So I guess that's sometimes an argument, right? Exactly. To a higher potential price, but that comes with, you know, the risk that relates to earnout. Indeed. And if you're a sort of a, an earlyish stage, rapidly growing organization to enable you to extract maximum value from the sale, very often an earnout is required because the growth trajectory is such that your current year earnings multiplied by multiple is not going to give you the value that you think the business warrants. So you have to take to a large extent a deep breath, say, yes, I'm receptive to having a certain percentage of the organization paid up front with the balance being on a deferred basis, hence an earnout. And I understand why a purchaser is not going to pay significant amounts of money for something that you have yet to deliver and you're saying, well, we will. So the buyer is saying, well, if you say you are, back yourself and we'll pay you once you've delivered it. So that's where I think an earnout can certainly have a good role to play. Where, however, earnouts become challenging is when the entity that has been acquired has been merged and amalgamated into an existing organization. So then it very much becomes a question, how does the earnout get calculated? What control do we have over the delivery of the metrics or the variables that are being used to derive the earnout amount? And this is where I think very often earnouts get the bad reputation because it's done on EBIT, earnings before interest and tax. And then the large organization buys it and overloads the business with corporate overheads and compliance costs. And you're going, well, no, no, you can't burden me with that. So I would argue in the transactions I do where there's an earnout, I'd say a quarter of the negotiation is invariably around defining how the earnout is going to be calculated and being very strict in and around defining exactly what the variables are that are going to be included 
in it. And interesting case study, I did a consultancy business which was acquired by a UK publicly listed company because they had a small business here in Australia which wasn't performing particularly well. So they saw my client's business as a lovely acquisition, not only because it would double the size of the organisation in Australia, but also ensure that they got the the management team, which they believed would turn it around. So we obviously knew our business and the client's business extremely well because we lived in it, but they gave us their numbers and said, we won't warrant it, but we've discounted all our revenue and our earnings moving forward. So they'll definitely be there and did the transaction. The earnout was based on a merged entity and my client's side of the business overperformed, but the Australian business, which it was merged into significantly was underperforming. Oh, gosh. So by default, the earnout was not going to get reached, but to the credit of the acquirer, they acknowledged, which they didn't necessarily have to do, acknowledged their, their errors or their, their errors and, and readjusted their own numbers such that they were happy to pay the full earnout. So that's a good story. That's a great story. I mean, and a good outcome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a good outcome, but it obviously could have gone the other way. This is where the legals around the earnout become really important as well, but can be a little bit frustrating sometimes when we come into a deal where an earnout has been negotiated, but negotiated with bare minimum terms because we have to be the bearer of bad news in relation to talking about the risks and the importance of adding detail into these calculations. And sometimes it hasn't occurred to the people in the deal that there's all these moving elements, I guess, you know, that really relates to who has the control in the business once completion has occurred and until the earnouts paid. 100%. And I think the other aspect is, you know, from a commercial corporate advisory viewpoint and from a legal viewpoint, we will do our best to contemplate all the known outcomes, but invariably in business there's going to be an unknown unknown Mm. and it's not going to be captured. So we do our best to capture everything we possibly can to ensure that it is there and it is robust. And I suppose the other aspect that I always say to my clients who are selling their business, you need to be comfortable that the purchase price that you are receiving at completion is satisfactory, i.e. the earnout that you may receive is the bonus or the extra amount that you're happy to receive. No guarantee. So if you don't get any earnout, you have to be comfortable. Yeah. I think that's a really good point because if you're seeing it as a bonus on top, <laughs> um, then it takes a lot of that emotion out of it. And I think emotion is a killer in these sort of instances. So I think ripping out that emotion is, well, scaling back the emotion is an important element. But I've certainly seen issues occur. I think the issue from the buy side, whilst it can be a really good strategy for a buy for all of those reasons we've discussed, I think Sometimes the issue from the buy side is then how much control the seller is going to want to exercise over the cost inclusions or the cost structure. So, and that sometimes can trigger in practice disputes between the parties or issues arising between the parties. So, I guess that's just something to keep your eyes on from the buy side. Even though it can be a good approach from the buy side, I think that's where things can become a bit thorny on the buy side. Yes. All right. So, let's then walk through. We've identified some particular situations where it might be relevant, well, where you're a buyer, (laughs) 
might be a good opportunity. Or when you're a seller and you're looking for a way to get a higher value than maybe the market would be paying just on a strict usual approach to the valuation of a business, say, for example, if you're in startup phase or high growth phase, when shouldn't they be used? Have you seen examples, Simon, where there's certain pointers to you that this will be a bad idea to use and earn out in this instance? I think in a stable, in inverted commas, mature business, which is exhibiting less than 10% revenue and earnings growth, I would argue there's no requirement for an earnout to be there, particularly if the business has been around for a long time, because the trajectory and stability of the business is such that it doesn't warrant the earnout component being brought into the equation because the risk isn't there. And that's how I see an earnout is really it's a means by which the purchaser is trying to de-risk the acquisition from a purchase price viewpoint such that if the year one, year two earnings post-transaction aren't there, they haven't paid us for it. But if you're in a stable business environment, for that is we've got a, a long track record, we're very stable, there's not customer concentration, it's a largely de-risked business, you'll get it away. Sure, you're not going to get an extremely high multiple necessarily for it, but under that environment, I think there is no genuine need for an earnout to be deployed. Now, I sold some years ago a, a property management business which purchased uh, wanted an earnout, but we said to them there was no need. We indicated to them the earnings profile had been very consistent over the last 10 years, and admittedly, the, the multiple wasn't fantastic, but it was higher than what the purchaser wanted and was happy to take 100% up front, and it worked for them. I think we could have got a higher price if we implemented an earnout component into it, but the purchaser, we met the sale price for the purchaser. I'm sorry, we got the sale price above what the vendor wanted via 100% purchase up front. And I guess one of the things, you know, you're talking about earnouts as a way of dealing with the risk in the transaction in relation to, say, for example, the revenue, the profit component, which I think is absolutely right. Yeah, I guess there are some other risks that sometimes earnouts are used for, but maybe are confused with other alternatives, like, for example, retention and deferred payment. So I guess other risks that I've seen have been staffing risk, transition sort of risk, customer, client risks, supplier risks, all of those sorts of risks that might be identified by a buyer moving in. I guess these are all areas where sometimes earnouts creep up as a possible way of, of dealing with the risk of transition issues. Indeed, and, and that's where I think you're right. Quite often a deferred payment can be labelled by some as an earnout. Yeah. To me, an earnout is a, a function of of subsequent performance, whereas a deferred payment can be lost by default. It will still be there as a based on future performance. But if there is a large customer contract, for example, which is due to be renewed in 12 months' time, I have done a transaction in the past where the purchaser said, I'll pay you this now. And upon that customer re-signing for another two-year two, co- two year contract, X dollars will be paid. So it's not really an earnout as such. It's a deferred payment predicated on one single event taking place. Is it an earnout, kind of, but it's a deferred cons- They kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And then I guess the next component is that the retention as well as, you know, yet another lever that we can use, which once again can have a, um, you you know, I guess the labels are sometimes used interchangeably. But in my mind, from a legal perspective, we have fairly clear guidelines as to what we see as earnouts versus retentions versus deferred payments and different approaches then for how we deal with all of those. But I guess the point is if you're negotiating 
negotiating a transaction, don't just feel you've got earnout, which has it can have a lot of risk attached to it, particularly for the seller. You know, there may be other levers that you can pull in terms of retentions and deferred payments that give you more control over that the ultimate sum being paid. Yes, and that's where obviously the benefit of a deferred payment, I believe, is you can get it set that the purchase actually puts it into an escrow account in advance or upon completion. So it's not, if it's a definitive dollar amount, it can go into an escrow account. It doesn't, you don't then have to wait for the amount to be calculated down the track. It's often one of the downsides of of earnouts is, is that the purchase are going to be able to pay for the earnout down the track. Exactly. It's this whole security, <laughs> this security issue, which once again, I have to say is rarely discussed. You know, I would say in 80% of cases, there's no discussion at the commercial terms point about security in relation to the payment of the deferred payment or the retention or the earnout, whatever it is. But, you know, from a legal perspective, we see that as a key element protecting the security of that payment, particularly if it if a point that is later down the track when assets can be moved out of the entity and restructuring and all of those sorts of things. So I think security is an element as well. Yeah, and I, and I use the, the term escrow. We, we do use, I tend to use escrows more now than I used to and that's probably a, I'm a little bit wiser and taking more of a defensive approach. So I want to protect my clients to ensure that they get on the sell side anyway. They get what is truly theirs under the contractual terms. Yeah, and look, I guess in terms of security, you're absolutely right. So we've got escrow that can be used, but once again, we've sort of got a shopping list of things we could <laughs> consider here. You know, we, we could have funds in trust. We could use bank guarantees. We can have personal guarantees from parent entities. We can have personal guarantees from directors. We can have all sorts of other than securities on the PPSR. So I guess point here is just make sure you keep securities in your mind as well if you're thinking about earnout. Albeit, even if it's not done at the commercial term point, obviously when we get to the legal side, that's something that we will be discussing at that point. Okay. All right. So um, I guess maybe if we can just run through really quickly, Simon, any sort of traps that you would recommend people look out for to avoid in this area? And I guess we've talked about not thinking about security. So that's one. What else do you think people should be aware of in this consideration of earnout? Yeah, so the, the main key trap is being blasé and not being really, really specific as to what the earnout is, how it's been calculated, what's in, what's not in. And if you are the, the seller, you want to be very specific with regards to transaction costs, integration costs, anything that is of a restructuring nature is excluded for the purpose of calculating your earnout, particularly if it's orientated around an earnout multiple. So I think that's just something you need to be really, really careful. And, and I guess also the costs of the buyer and ramping up the business post acquisition, because quite often what we'll see is, you know, there'll be an acquisition and then there'll be a lot of energy that's poured into the growth of that business. But that is a cost to the business. And you really want to ring fence any earn out calculations from anything that's happening in terms of investment in growth in the business. Yes. And signing off in advance, dare I say it, your business plans so you know what is agreed yeah. for that burnout period with regards to what's happening within the business. So both the buyer and the seller are in agreement with the way in which the business is going to operate. And in the event that they want to do something else, that is, in inverted commas, ring-fenced. So it's carved out from a negative side with regards to the ability for the vendor to receive the full burnout amount. Brilliant. Okay, look,
Look, Simon, I just want to say a really big thank you for coming on to the Deal Room podcast today to talk about this area of earnouts. I think, you know, I have a discussion about earnouts and, and, you know, retentions and deferred payments and all of those other sorts of things really, really regularly with, with buyers, sellers and advisors in the transaction. I, I think it's a hot topic. It's something that people really need to make sure they understand before getting involved in. So I'm really grateful for you coming in and talking about this area. Simon, if people want to get in contact with you and if our listeners want any more information or to have a discussion with you in relation to your approach in this area, what's the best way that they can do that? Mobile is always best. So that's 0421 599 or they can go to my website, which is www.startyourearnoutnow.com. Excellent. Okay. Well, look, thank you so much for coming on the program today. And look, if you, the listener, would like more information about this topic, just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com, where you'll be able to find details there of how to contact Simon Clapworthy at Start Your Earnout Now if you'd like to get in contact with him. There, you'll also find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. We also have a number of great services that help businesses both prepare for a sale or acquisition and also to help guide them through the sale and acquisition process. And look, we work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. So look, don't hesitate to book an appointment if you'd like to find out how we might be able to assist. Now look, finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, can you please pop over to iTunes and leave us a review and make sure you've hit subscribe so you get the Deal Room podcast delivered straight to your Apple player or your other device, whatever you're listening in on. All right. Well, thanks again for listening in. You have been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Ladies and gentlemen. Ladies and gentlemen. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au.